dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. I think that most of us feel that when you do something heroic, you should be recognized for it. Almost like good heroes usually win. In the story of St. John Bosco, however, this was not the case. He had to defend himself, work hard, be underappreciated, and make his case boldly in a situation where people did not believe in him or make it easy for him. His is a story of true heroism. Hi, everybody. Thanks so much. I'm glad to be with you again to meditate with you on what it means to be a courageous leader. Why? Because in today's world, we need leadership, but leadership cannot be given from the outside. It's got to come from within, from deep within the heart. The person who accepts that their heart can be the source of their actions and that the spirit that's within them is where Christ's spirit meets the world is a person who can transform whatever situation they've been put in instead of complaining that they don't have the elements that they need to make the impact that Christ is calling them to make. I, I think this is so important. So I want us to start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, Father of the poor, illumine the hearts of thy faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy Spirit, and they shall be created and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the hearts of thy faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us in the same spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation. Through the same Christ, our Lord. Amen. St. John, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, the, the life of, of St. John Bosco, sometimes he's called Don Bosco, right? That's because that's the, what the Italians call priests. They just call them Don. It comes from the, the Latin expression meaning Lord, you know, as in like my Lord or it's a sir. It's a type of, of deferential expression towards priest. Uh, and so they, we'll call him Don Bosco. It's fine. But his name is John. And that St. John Bosco, his story is so amazing to me because... It's literally a story of someone whose life, born in humility, stayed in humility, and who found his greatness in the love that he chose to give to those who others deemed to be unlovable. In other words, he stood, he stands as a saint in solitude. In solitude, even in despite of all of his success and of his, of his fame at the time, and of his friends in high places, solitude in that he chose to embrace the lives of those whom society was not able to embrace. And by so doing, he shared their exile. 
I'm speaking of the poor working class of the, of the industrialized city of Turin in the mid-1800s, especially young children. Uh, his, his life is extraordinary, right? He starts 1815. He's born in a family. Uh, he, there's two other boys in the family. He's the youngest of three boys. And it's a, it's a small farming uh, family. And right, it's way up in the northern part of Italy, almost near the Alps. Uh, in a little stone, you know, uh, house, very small, very modest uh, upbringing. And his dad dies at age two. So he never knows his father. His mother, whom he, he calls Mother Margarita, Mama Margarita, and whom everybody just, you know, is a very respected woman, teaches him Christian virtue, teaches him the love of God, but also teaches him hard work. I mean, at age eight, you know, St. John Bosco is already laboring in the fields. Uh, he's laboring in his fields age five, six, seven, because they have to know how to farm. They have to know how to gather the eggs to take care of the animals. I mean, like he, there was no time for him to go to school. He didn't learn how to read or write or do any math until he was eight years old because the family couldn't afford any school. He was walking at age nine, three miles, okay, three miles one way, just to go to a, a, an old priest who was willing to teach him anything that he could. Uh, he was a very industrious and hardworking lad, and, but not without difficulty. Again, his older brother Antonio used to fight with him all the time. The two of them were not as close as they could have been or should have been. And so he had violence in the home to the point that his mother agreed to let him go and make his own way in life at age like 10, okay? So he's now basically an orphan working his way. He's working his way through. Um, and, and he works his way, into, finds his way into a school and, and works his way. He does actually three academic years in the course of one year plus one summer. That's how hard of a worker this kid is. And he excels at the top of his class. The kids at the school don't think that he's gonna amount to anything. But he does. He, he's actually a brilliant mind, great memory, and just his hard work habits. And they, this pushes him to want to be a priest. But he never forgets how hard it was. When he was 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 years old, he was working all kinds of different jobs. He worked at a bowling alley, you know, setting up the pins for people to knock down. Then he would go and sweep in different places. He would clean different things. He was, he was scrapping just to make his own living in life while going to school at the same time. And he didn't find much support even from the priests of his era. There's a story of one time he was walking with his mother in the woods and they crossed the priest and the priest wouldn't even talk to him. And that really hurt his feelings uh, because he felt looked down to and he said to his mother, when I'm a priest, I'm going to talk to children all the time. And there was like a, a, a deep mark in his soul that you know, the, the poverty that he was experiencing could actually be turned around into compassion for others who were sharing his same fate. And there's a, a huge lesson for us in that, right? The, the difficulty he went through, instead of being the disadvantage that somehow explained why his life ended in failure, the difficulty he went through actually became the source of compassion for Don Bosco towards those who shared the, a similar situation. And what, man, what a challenge that is for us.
because the courageous leadership of Don Bosco begins in his pain. You know, there's a, when he was young, he used to go out and get beat up by the, the wild kind of uh, orphaned uh, children that were, you know, there. And so he would come back to his mom and his, his shirt would be all ripped and he'd be bloodied nose and everything. But he used to say his mom, to his mom, listen, you know, I, I, this, these kids aren't bad. They just don't know Jesus. So even as a young kid, he would open up a circus routine. No kidding, circus. He learned acrobatic tricks, tight rope walking, juggling. And the price of admission to watch his show was one rosary by everybody who would come. And then you'd have to listen to the sun Sunday homily that he would have repeated by memory uh, from the center stage. So this is Don Bosco at age 12, age 13. He's running a circus show in the front yard. Uh, you know, it's unreal. And doing it to evangelize. Why? Because he's, he used the pain that he was given to reach out to those who were in pain as well. Now, each one of us has the struggles that we have in our life. What are you going to do with those struggles? They can become occasions for God to do his mighty work in us if we let him. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org. And subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. So in the life of St. John Bosco, let's, let's fast forward here. He, he, he now finds himself in Turin. He's ordained a priest for the Diocese of Turin, Italy. And he, you know, is, you know what does he do with this? Well, very quickly, Our Lady shows him the mission that he has. As he discovers in, in the church one day, he's getting invested to say Mass, and he hears the sacristan yelling at a, a street child to leave the, the, the church. He's all upset that this kid would be there. The kid was looking to try just to get warm. And this man was kicking him out. So Don Bosco said, call him to me. He's my friend. And so the guy goes and gets the kid. The kid comes in and he just starts to chat with him and finds out that the kid is a bricklayer at age 15. He's got no mother, no father. He's a complete orphan. And he, he represents for, for us the, the, the stereotypical person who Dabasco reached out to because it turns out that at that time of industrialization, at the, the, born, er, the beginnings of it, all of the, the farm kids would be coming in through the drought, through the wars, their farms decimated, unable to make a living. They would flood the cities where then there were, you know, sweatshops and child labor uh, that was under, being undergone and no way to make a living there. They were taking advantage of you. It's kind of the worst of, um, of pure capitalism that was taking place. And it caused a whole working class of slums where these kids were living on the streets, 12, 14, 15, 10, and, and there was no one to care for them. And so Don Bosco is looking at this kid and he says, you know, do you know, can you serve mass? And the kid says, no. And then he puts his, starts to put his head down in shame. And Don Bosco says, well, can you whistle? And he says, sure, I can whistle. And in that little charming thing there, there a friendship is formed. And Don Bosco says, well, I want you to bring your friends back here next Sunday. And we're going to start working with you. And he does. The group grows. He starts calling it the oratory. 
because for him that is a name that bespeaks some sort of discipline and prayer and he wants to lead these children to make them saints i mean think of that audacity uh, it would be like taking, you know, some, some of the kids for, in today's world that are just the toughest delinquents you could imagine and turning them into saints. There's an audacity of the vision of a saint here. And it's an audacity that comes from Christ in the gospel because this is a priest who's reaching out. Why did he reach out when others did not? And why was he convinced that he would reach out to them in a way of education of prayer, of a family-based world. I mean, in many ways, you know, we owe a lot to the, the great things that states do for their citizens. And, you know, these are not, you know, it's great things to have secular ways of helping people. But where were they in these moments? This isn't the first time that this has happened in history where the industrialization was, the needs, the social problems that were created by it were first met by Christian souls. And, and out of the, the love of the gospel that were the first hospitals, the first mental institutions. I'm thinking of the, the sisters in Peoria, Illinois, who founded St. Francis Hospital System. They founded it because the German immigrants in, in Peoria were dying because of malaria. And the, and the mosquitoes, they lived in the lowlands by the river. And the mosquitoes were just so bad, it was just eating them up alive. And no one was taking care of them. The state didn't have enough money for a hospital. So the sisters went there and they opened up a hospital themselves. And now it's, it's, a, it's a terrific success story. And they promised God that they would never turn anyone away because they didn't have enough money. Well, when Don Bosco was trying to go to school, he was turned away by the state school for not having enough money. He was left uneducated. And he, he ended up educating himself, becoming a priest. And then he decides in the same vein to turn and to try to help educate all these kids. So every Sunday, all the street children who wanted to would fly, would flock to whatever location he was going to be at. And he had no location. Sometimes he'd be in a, cem a cemetery chapel. Sometimes he'd be in a vacated church. Sometimes he would just be in an empty lot. And he would say mass for them hear their confessions, give them communion. Um, uh, he would perform acrobatic tricks for them, etc. They would give, give them an hour's worth of instruction in Christian living. And then they would go out into the countryside to play all day. And then they'd come back. And, and I mean, it got to be 200, 300 boys. So there, what happens? Well, of course, the workers don't like this. The, 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 the people who, they don't like the fact that these boys are finding some form of emancipation. So they try to kill Don Bosco. He's attacked on the street. You know, there's all kinds of stories about him. Evidently, his guardian angel would appear like a big dog, you know, and chase the people off. They were jealous about him because he was freeing those who were otherwise imprisoned. And the courage that that must have taken, you know, you, if you think about it, like what, what in the world? He's putting his entire life, literally physical safety, on the line for these kids who can't pay him back, who are so poorly educated. This is not like, you know, just like these are innocent uh, people. These were kids who were innocent and victims, of course, but like they had bad habits. They were, there were, of course, lots of, of tensions to resolve. And he simply met their needs. 
He met their needs. He'd give them food. He would give them shelter. And he started in, in amazing ways. Like he, the first thing he ever, time he ever bought anything was an old shed in the slums. And it was right next to a saloon and right across the street from a house of ill repute. And there's the first place Don Bosco says, this is sacred ground. And he claims it for God. And then from that little ramshackle shed, he starts to open, he, he digs it out, he builds it up, he makes it his own little chapel so that the kids can come to Mass. Up to 500 kids would squeeze into that space for Mass. This is, of course, 1840, 1850, 1860. And, and, and as he's saying Mass for them, of course, confession, etc. And saints come out of it. You think of St. Dominic Savio who was one of his children, so to speak, uh, one of the orphans who died at age 14 as a total saint um, and became canonized. Uh, his, his work becomes more widespread because he, he typifies this entrepreneurial spirit. This is one of the great entrepreneurial saints. He has nothing except a mission, nothing but a desire to help these kids. And then he takes every opportunity that comes his way and he transforms it into whatever he can to help those whom he has been sent to help. I mean, if he, and if there are there setbacks? There are tons of setbacks. He's penniless. For example, he wants to build the Basilica to Our Lady, right? And so he draws up the plans for this church uh, there. And he turns to the architect and says, here's your first payment. And he puts eight cents, literally eight pennies into the architect's hands. Says, Our Lady will build the Basilica. Don't you worry, right? I mean, incredible. Can you imagine this guy? He's going around begging, a Catholic priest begging for any money that he could possibly get, keeping none for himself. His mother, who is, of course, this, this uh, farm wife, uh, who had, farm widow, she said to him, when you become a priest, if you become rich, I will never set foot in your home. <laughs> Right? Don't ever forget your roots, kid. And he never did. And like any true entrepreneur, he was put down. He was kicked down. He was told he was going to fail. He was ridiculed. He was put out. And all the while having 200, 300, 500, at one point 800 street urchins getting education, being fed. He was teaching them the trades in the back, in, in, in a, a, an adjacent building. He created a school for them, built them up, taught them how to live, taught them usable skills, fed them. And all of this through the donations that he would have to write. They said that he would sleep only five hours a night and one night a week he wouldn't sleep at all. It's just an incredible story because he's spending his evening writing his letters, asking for the money that he would need to keep on doing his work. He typifies for us the missionary entrepreneur. And that's why I want to share him with you. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. You know, I think there's many lessons that we can learn from the life of St. John Bosco. You know, you have his whole mystical life. You know, he, he, he could read souls. Uh, sometimes he would levitate at mass. There were all kinds of healings that were taking place, all of all different types, you know, through his prayers. 
But the scene that I want to put you in front of is the old Don Bosco. His vision has been impaired in one of his eyes. His legs are swollen to extreme discomfort. His back is all bowed and stooped. And they said that the, the, they would often see him being led along the street by the hand by one of the street children that he would be taking care of. And he never stopped working. He used to say, people would say, Don Bosco, just take it easy, stop working. He would say, you tell the devil, that the moment that the devil goes to bed, then I'll go to bed too. <laughs> and when they, even the Pope said it to slow down and to take it more easy on himself. He, he just, Don Bosco was a worker. The working habits that came to him because of his poverty and the disadvantaged situation of his childhood actually became the thing that compelled him and enabled him to be the great saint that he was. It was because he was tireless in what he gave. The courage to give beyond what you think you can. They said that he used to stumble, that people would see him kind of like dozing as he was walking on the streets kind of shuffling and, and, and leaning against buildings, falling asleep. Sometimes they had to carry him back because of the exhaustion of his labors. Now, again, you could say, well, that's just, you know, lack of good organization. And maybe it was. Maybe it was a lack of good organization. I don't know. But it was definitely heroism. And it was a heroism to help the kids that no one else wanted to help. Right? And that heroism is exactly what courageous leadership summons from us. You know, no one wants to be a hero, but what if people need heroes? You know, what Don Bosco did, he just simply said, out of the love that he had for God and for the Blessed Mother, he kept on pushing forward to do what he could for those who didn't have anything else. And the system that he created, and it attracted followers. Other priests came and joined him. Uh, women came and joined him. He opened orphanages, even for the girls, and, and had them staffed by the sisters. He created the largest religious congregation in the Catholic Church today, the Salesians. Of priests, sisters, they're everywhere. And, the, and the, the idea that Don Bosco had was, he called it preventative education. He said that our young people will be better educated by gentleness and love than by anger and correction. Even though that, that's extremely difficult to do, he, he would repeat it over and over again. He even wrote a, a, a kind of a, a scholarly presentation to put that forth. And the whole idea was to win over the hearts of the boys by love and by relationship with them, trusting relationship, and then allow that to be the context in which you can give them God, catechesis, education, and all of their needs. But if you don't win over the heart, then you can't win over the rest of the person. And that was like a, a whole new approach, right? You would think instead we should meet them with a different situation, but he focused on that. And that became kind of a, a, a hallmark of his ministry and the way that he chose to educate. And there's just so many things here to speak about in terms of his courage that he, that he shows us. And I just want to underline a few of them because I think that they speak to us for our circumstances today. First point, poverty is not the problem. Lack of character is the problem. Don Bosco was born in a poverty greater than any of us will ever see. 
and he became an incredible saint and a hero, not in spite of his poverty, but because of it. That poverty taught him humility. That poverty taught him compassion and solidarity with the poor. That poverty taught him the real value of hard work and these things he carried with him all the days of his life. Second lesson is the integrity and the beauty of work. Don Bosco worked with these kids not to teach them catechesis and spirituality that was outside of their real needs for a career, etc. He taught them the skills that they needed to survive in the world that they were in. And that hardworking ethic that he himself had, he passed on to them in the same way. Uh, that value of work, I think it's a beautiful to see how he, he, the defense that this priest makes of that and how he embodies it himself. Third lesson that of his life, don't be too proud to beg. Don Bosco didn't have anything for himself and yet he would go out asking those who had those resources to deploy them at the service of the mission that he had started for these children. And by so doing, you know, again, he represents to us like this incredible humility. Courage isn't founded, I think, as much on bravado and on worldly ambition as it is founded on humility. The humbler that we are, the, the more difficult we are to be knocked off of the course that God's put us on, right? We, even if we don't have funds, we'll find him, right? That's Tom Bosco's way. And I can't help but think of all the times he was turned away or he was ridiculed or he was put out and why he didn't stop. Why didn't he? And I think it was that deep humility. He'll take whatever he can, whenever he can, to win any way that he can. Fourthly and finally, Don Bosco shows us that leadership begins on your knees. This was a man who would fall asleep fully clothed while praying beside his bed. Right? He, was, he had a huge devotion to the Virgin Mary, prayed the rosary, went to Mass. He, he, his prayer life, instead of becoming something on the outside, became the source of the fire that was within him. And in this way, he gives us a terrific example to not be afraid to put our faith in our business and in our leadership. The more your faith is in your leadership, the more that your leadership begins and ends with God, the more that it will be tireless, creative, powerful, and the motor for change that we want to see in the world. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.